Welcome to the Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. Featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Real. All right. Well, hello, and thanks for joining us on The Drop-Off. I'm Nicole Real, and today I'm pleased to welcome David Mirage to the podcast. I'd like to start with a quick bio for David, for those of you who may not be as familiar with him. In 1975, David Mirage co-founded Chef America, a national frozen food manufacturer known for inventing and marketing Hot Pockets, Lean Pockets, and Croissant Pockets. David and his brother Paul sold Chef America to Nestle in 2002. Chef America is known for being one of the most successful food companies in the world. After the sale of Chef America, David Mirage founded Consolidated Investment Group, otherwise known as CIG, a Denver-based investment management company specializing in capital markets, private equity, and commercial real estate. Welcome again, David. It's so great to have you on our podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, uh, Nicole. It is wonderful to be here. I am really excited to hear uh, and go through this conversation. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to talk to you. And I just have to say, as well as the child that grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, we pretty much always had Hot Pockets in our freezer growing up. So <laughs> definitely a customer um, in my in the past as well. So <laughs> um, funny that that kind of comes around full circle, right? Well, I, I want to thank you for supporting uh, my current lifestyle going back through all these years. Yeah, anytime, right? <laughs> well, so, you know, going into your business experience, you've got decades of experience as an entrepreneur, a successful business owner. What do you really attribute your success to? And what's one of like the major skill sets you believe makes you a successful business person? I don't know whether there is specific business that uh, you would say it is a business uh, skill. I think it applies to anything in life. And that is to say, I do not want to hear no. No is not in our formula. No is not accepted. Always look for solutions rather than look at the negative side of, of things. So to be positive uh, in my in my life, it has been okay. I admit, five percent of the time, I look at the negative side and what is it that we are going to do that is going to cause this problem. But the other ninety-five percent is, I can do it. I will do it. Then the second part of that is to surround yourself with incredible, incredible people, and to some degree. Uh, you know, people have said to me, "Your, uh, you did this in uh, Chef America, and you're doing this at the CIG." They really don't realize that I have surrounded myself with some amazing people, and they every day, every day they make me look good, and the credit should go to them. So, surrounding yourself with capable, dedicated, smart people has been an answer. So looking at the positive side, and then the other side of it is I am an entrepreneur. I don't know where it came from. I think it came from both my parents. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur, came from a very poor family, and he succeeded. And my mother, 
was also an entrepreneur and philanthropist. So there is not a one single thing, but for me, it was no is not an answer. Sounds like it's really in the family as well for you. And, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that grit and, you know, that tenacity that you speak of is really so important in being successful. Your hands were really full back in 2002, but at the same time, you also started your own foundation at that time. What inspired you to do that? I, I think it is uh, something that has been going on in my family. As far as I know, when I was a little kid, my grandmother, who was uh, a lioness, uh, she stood for the right of women. She stood the right of children. And when she passed away, hundreds and hundreds of people came to pay their respects. You know, you, you have to go back 100 years ago and the role of women at that time. Then it was my mother, and she gave most of her life to uh, supporting others and children and education. The role model has been there for me. Uh, in fact, what I found out after my father passed away was that he, in his own way, also was a philanthropist. This goes in also with my wife, who is also has the philanthropy blood in her veins, and she gives so much of her time to make the world a better place. My motto on that one is, we have to give back to the society. For those who are successful, they should give more. Those who are super successful, they should give back more. But anyone should uh, be able to give back to society. It is not just the money part of it. It is the willingness that I want to make the world a better place for the future generations, for the people around me, and also for my family. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. And I think, you know, oftentimes we hear speakers talk about their why and, you know, the real drivers behind what they do. It sounds like, you know, your community, your family wanting to give back, those are your whys. Our foundations, it is not a one foundation. It is now uh, three generations and hopefully it would be four generations. Laura and I are running David and Laura Mirage Foundation, but my parents, we are also so involved with their foundation. And then my children, each one has their own foundation and their commitment, uh, and they give tremendous amount. And I'm hoping that one day when my grandkids get older, that they would have the same level of commitment of giving back. Can we actually have a culture of saying, give back? If it is one hour of your time, if you are uh, educated, give back a little bit of your education. If you are creative, even if you don't have anything, giving back should be in our vocabulary, especially for business people. We have the means and the ability to give back to the society. And we do. We create jobs. We make the society. We are the ones who are making a lot of changes. I, I believe that giving back is an important, we call it philanthropy. I think it is, should be called make the world a better place. As a, a successful businessman, you know, a, a billionaire entrepreneur, you know, there, I'm sure there were plenty of things that you could have focused on when it came to your philanthropy. You know, the David and Laura Mirage Foundation has spent um, a great deal of time focusing on investing in the younger generation and specifically around affordable and accessible childcare. 
Um, why did you choose that path specifically? What was it that really interested you and drew you to that work? You know, Nicole, uh, it is it is interesting because I was blind to what was going on around me. My brother Paul and I, we had almost 2,000 employees. And we were concentrating our energy in making things happen, better products, better organization, taking care of our people, uh, bring creativity, bring automations and all. One incident woke me up. And it was a young lady who was sitting across uh, my office. She was married. She actually was walking around and her stomach was growing and growing and growing. And one day she she left and I said, okay, uh, where is Mary? And Mary had uh, a baby. Three weeks later, Mary comes back to work. And I am shocked. Who's taking care of the baby? So I sat down with Mary and I said, Mary, tell me what is, what is going on? How is it that you are back? Who's taking care of your three weeks, four, four week old baby? And she said, David, I have multiple jobs. I have a job of raising a child. I have a job of taking care of my work. I have a job of managing a household. I said, well, how do you do this? She said, I have to get up early in the morning, around 5.30, to prepare for the baby, put everything together, drive the baby to daycare. Then I have to be at work by 8. Then I have to rush at five o'clock like heck and go to the childcare because I have to be there before six because if it is longer, they're going to charge me overtime and then take the baby home. And I said, is this what I should expect? There is a generation that needs the loving, caring education that they're going to be the future generation. And I called my management and I said, this is going back to a number of years. I want a childcare in all of our facilities and you're going to make it happen. It was small, you know, compared to the business we have, 2000 people. It was a small give, but can you imagine if I had succeeded in having a childcare? Mary would not have to go to a daycare in the morning and she had to, of course, prepare everything for the baby. I would have had a lady who was very good stay with the company. And if she had a break, she could go and take care of the baby. She did not need to rush and go home. It was a good business decision. It was a social conscious business, but it was a good business decision. Unfortunately, at the time, I could not get insurance. The laws were not so proactive towards setting up your own child care. I tried. Years went by, sold the company, and I came across this incredible, incredible executive director of our foundation, Sue Renner, who actually came from childcare work. That was it. That was what I needed to start this area. You, you know, to some degree, it was socially responsible, but it was a good business decision because we're talking about taking care of our, our future generation. Yeah, it's really incredible how, you know, one defining moment or story that you witness can really, you know, spark 
a huge amount of work later and really put you on a path forward to impacting and changing something like childcare and early education and, you know, the things that many working parents, um, myself included, I have an eight-year-old now, but I've been through all of that myself, you know, alongside my husband that we we really all struggle with and, and try to balance. But why should you struggle? Why is it that it is your duty and responsibility to have a child that belongs not only to you, but to, to the world. We as business people should not accept that because you could say, okay, David, uh, what are you talking about? Fairness or not fairness? It's parents' responsibility. This is a social issue. The future generation belongs to all of us. I got a chance. I went to college. I got educated. My mom was home. Uh, my dad worked 16 hours a day. I was among the lucky ones. The world has changed where the economy of the world depends on both male and the female. And if we have that expectation, then we all have to be there for you. And we should all be there. It is not only the business people I am talking about, the parents' responsibility. I'm talking about the religious organizations. I'm talking about the grandparents. I'm talking about the political leaders. And the business leaders, to be honest with you, as business leaders, we are the shakers and the movers. Yes. You know, I think that was the vision with Epic originally is really to, you know, to get those movers and shakers involved in conversations around these topics like child care and early education, how we build the future workforce. You know, I think as you think about business leaders getting involved through Epic or through other ways, what do you think is most important for them to do as they think about their involvement in advancing childcare access and affordability for the workforce? First of all, the business leader, leaders need to wake up. We should, as business leaders, start looking at our people and say, what can I do for them? It is selfish. It is business selfish uh, to say, what can I do for them? so I can keep the best of talents. And one of that is to be aware and uh, as, as a leader of the organization, set up a culture that we need to take care of our staff, our associates. The other part of that is, you know, we really don't know how much influence we have in changing laws. When a business leader calls a senator or a governor or a legislator, the tendency of those people to listen to that business leader is much, much greater than a local person who is picking up the phone and saying, I need help. So the influence that the business leaders have is, is tremendous and they can change. If it is one voice, it is one. If it is five, it becomes much louder. And if it is hundred, it becomes a chorus and they need to respond to that. The other side of that is, why shouldn't we set up child care in our organizations? If you have a large number of employees, honestly, the cost is minimal. It, is, it doesn't even come to the level of petty cash of some companies. If you are not a large business, a group of uh, small businesses get together and create and bring a child care. It really goes a long way. I think about it and I say, I am granddaddy. I have a five-year-old. I have a three-year-old 
and I have a one-month-old today, and I see the amount of work that is involved with my with my daughter and her husband to raise the little kids. Boy, I get exhausted just taking the kids to daycare, and they have to do it again and again and again. Can that be another way of handling? As business leaders, we are constantly dealing with issues. Every day, another issue or opportunity comes in, and we are creative. We find solutions for that. Can we actually use our talents to promote a harmony in the, in the society? And one of that is, you know, to become the voice for the voiceless. The little kids don't have the voice. I should be their voice. And I should be there for them because they're going to be the future engineers, the future politicians, the future teachers, and the future workers of our society. And if we are not there for them, who are we going to have to support us and run our businesses? Yeah, exactly. We're developing our future workforce, right? And the more we can do to help them be successful in that endeavor, the better it's going to be for all of us. And, you know, I started my career working at an on-site um, childcare facility for a corporation in Colorado and saw the difference it made for the working parents to have that type of support on-site you know, the parents who came for lunchtime or, you know, the moms who were breastfeeding to come back to see their infants, um, you know, the, the people who made the choice to stay in the workforce and stay in their careers because they had that support nearby. It made, it made a big difference to them. And I think, like you said, for some companies, it's not this massive investment. You know, Rachel Carlson over at Guild Education joked that, you know, their investment in their on-site childcare facility was equivalent to the average Silicon Valley snack budget, um, which, you know, she said in jest, but I think has real roots to it. I look at it this way. Can we actually look at what Epic has done? 10 years ago, actually 11 years ago, I sat down with Sue and said, what is the role of the business? And then we went and talked to friends and business leaders. And a group of us, not a large number of whom, we got together and created Epic with the idea that this organization is going to have an impact on the lives of children. Here is 10 years later, and it is incredible what Epic has done and how many executives and the management level joined the organization. I am very proud to say that we have a partnership with with EPIC, we worked with the governor and changed the laws. We have worked with the legislators. We have worked, and EPIC has a voice, and it has a strong voice. Ten years ago, that voice was not there and was not being echoed anywhere. I used to meet with the senators, and I have met with the president of the United States. I have met with many high-level people in the government. I've been doing that for 17 years. They would say, David, you are right. This is important. But, um, you know, there's a but and nothing happened. They go, today, things are happening. Current president of the United States is saying, we need childcare. It is not just saying it. They are doing things. Governor Jared Polis, who's been a friend for a long time, he came to the office and right, right away, he called you guys, called us, and he formed a team, and he passed laws 
that is going to bring billions of dollars in the support of childcare. He's not done. It is a different world. Why is that? I think there's more awareness, but Epic's voice should not be only in Colorado. We should have Epic everywhere in the country. Business leaders should wake up and say, I am going to create a system and I have to become active because it is good for this country. It is the right thing for this country. If we care for our children and for the United States, I think we need to stand up as business leaders. Wow, thank you. It's um, It has been amazing to see the movement and the momentum that's been created through Epic and business leaders getting involved. You know, even having been with the organization for only three years, um, you know, I've seen and witnessed, you know, really the the influence and I think the impact that business leaders can have on early childhood and the topics of childcare and, and child development. For those business leaders who are not yet involved with EPIC or early childhood efforts that we're working on, what's your message to them? I run my philanthropy as my business. I do not differentiate between my business and my philanthropy. In fact, we have 40 people in our philanthropic area. We are not only involved with early childcare education. My wife is leading arts. Uh, some of the most successful art organizations in Colorado. We are involved in doing numerous projects in Israel to support education and change the society and the community over there for all people over there. So can we separate our business from our philanthropy? In my company, the people in the nonprofit are sitting next to the people who are for profit. We actually are... CIG supports the nonprofit side through legal support, accounting support, human resources. The management gets together. The staff gets together. There is a culture of interaction. We have a much better time hiring people because people say, I went to your website and I saw how proactive you are in giving back to society. I want to be involved with a company like that. So people especially young people, want to become active. So I think for those who are not involved, just don't write a check. Go with the check. Become involved. It is such a joy to be able to pay back and such a joy to be active in making changes in people's lives. Yes, if you want to write a check, please do so. With all due respect, I think everybody should do what they want. But there is a joy in making a change. Yeah, I love the phrase of go with the check, right? And, (laughs) um, you know, take a moment to actually get involved and, you know, and find a way to to get involved with that in addition to supporting it financially. Um, You know, last question for you, you know, where do you hope we'll be in terms of supporting children and families 20 years from now? And, you know, I'm sure that your foundation will have a role in that, but, you know, looking out two decades, you know, what do you hope your grandchildren are going to experience as their adults and in the workforce? I don't know about 20 years. My my goal is, is never 20 years. I, I look at three years, five years. Okay, I you know, I will give in and I will look at uh, 10 years. 
I think there has got to be awareness in the society. And I think we need to change laws. United States, one of the most powerful, most educated countries in the world, uh, we are behind in taking care of our future generations. There's too many of our kids do not get attention early on. I see what my grandkids are going through in a matter of few months. Someone who could not say a word now starting to talk and they are starting to walk and they are, my five-year-old has got opinions that is shocking to me. So can we actually bring that to the rest of the society and become a leader in taking care of our next generation? I don't like the idea that we have so many dropouts in eighth grade, ninth grade of high school. Where is the future for them? As we become technological and more advanced, they have to have a future. We we had a project and we continue supporting that project of people with mental challenges. We are filling our prisons with people who have failed. And if majority of that is directed to the early years of their lives, So 10 years, uh, maybe less, I think, um, with the support of business leaders, the political leaders, I hope that we can have laws that protect and support our children, that laws will protect and support parents, that we need to become a society that cares, a society that says, this is important to me. And I see the signs. I really do see the signs. If you had this interview um, four years ago, I would not be as positive. Today, I am much more positive that we are waking up, that we are standing for for the rest, next generation, for the rest of the society. And I encourage business leaders to become that voice. Well, I share in your vision for the future. And since we don't like to look out too far, let's hope that we can uh, meet again on this podcast in five years and that things, again, look drastically different for the better. <laughs> I, I really look forward to that. Uh, and I want to be around to see the changes in the society. Uh, not for me. I, I have passed that point. But the future of this country depends on us to stand for for the next generation. Well, this has been um, really an inspiring and such an exciting conversation with you today, David. Thank you again for joining us today and sharing your stories and your insights, and really for the incredible work that you've done on behalf of children and families across this country. Um, thank you again. We really do appreciate it. Nicole, thank you very much for bringing this to the attention of our leaders. And I hope that there will be many, many more discussions like that, not with me, but for with your other members of EPIC who are actually doing a lot. Thank you. Thanks, David. Well, look forward to many more episodes with exciting business leaders and influential individuals who are making changes in early childhood. This is Nicole Real signing off until our next episode of The Drop-Off. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit coloradoepic.org.